Hi, everybody. This is Lori Handlers, and you're listening to Tantra Cafe, a program for spiritual enlightenment. And I'm your host, Om Shanti Shanti Shanti. I greet you in peace, as always. And I remind you that you can follow me on Facebook or Twitter, Lori Handlers, or you can write to me, Lori, at ButterflyWorkshops.com to ask me questions about any of the shows and also to give feedback you know I love to get your fan letters, so please write to me. This program today is brought to you by Silk, S-Y-L-K, a personal lubricant that enhances your pH from the inside out. Well, today we're going to talk about how Tantra can heal the world. In the first segment, in the second segment, we're going to talk about fighting against sexual violence and sexual abuse. So please... Stay tuned on this show for some exciting topics. Today, my guest on the first half is Luba Evans. She's the founder of the New York Tantric Meetup, the Boston Tantric Meetup, and Galliana Meditation Retreat. She's also the founder of an international movement called Tantra Without Borders. And it's that it's there where we're going to start today to find out about what is this Tantra Without Borders, what does it mean in the greater scope about how Tantra can actually help us heal the world? Hi, Luba. Hello, Lori. Hi, it's great to have you on the show at last. Oh, finally, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) transcending all the technological difficulties. Right. So I want to talk to you about how what your vision is about Tantra and using Tantra to heal the world. How, how, how are we going to do that? Well, we're going to try really hard. That's <laughs> how we're <laughs> going to do it. There, there, are, there are many wonderful principles in Tantra, and of course when we talk about Tantra, um, we should probably first uh, say which Tantra we mean. There's so much of it all over the place. There's Neo-Tantra and Hindu Tantra and Tantric Buddhism. And um, I think that uh, there are basic tantric principles which are actually common to all different tantric branches, and those principles can be used to help feminine and masculine energies of the world really fine-tune and heal each other. When you say that, there's a few things you said in this sentence, um that maybe people wouldn't understand. First of all, what do you mean by Neo-Tantra and Hindu-Tantra? Like, how would you distinguish those? Hindu-Tantra, for me, uh, is a practice which is very closely related to Tantra yoga. And it is a type of yoga which really opens up the body to new possibilities of transmission of electricity, and light, and through the body, we go into enlightened state of unity with the cosmic, with cosmic light. And so, um, New Tantra, as far as uh, as far as it seems to me, at least, is a movement which actually also uses pleasure and uh, is oriented towards achievement of highest pleasure and uh, utilizes the energy of pleasure to get into a deeper connection with the partner. At least that's the way I see it. 
Okay, great, great. Because I want to make sure that people understand what you're saying. And then when you're talking about, and we're saying that the feminine energy can heal masculine energy, it's it sounds a little woo-woo. Like, how could feminine energy actually heal masculine energy? And why is that why is that necessary? Even though I know what you're talking about, you know, I want to I want to really spell it out for people so that they really get it. They get why it's so important. Sure. Yeah, we all come from a lot of wounded families. So we're wounded children of wounded parents. And in most cases in our modern world, we're either dominated or neglected by our parents. And uh, in most cases, we carry wounds from dealing with feminine or masculine energy or both which means that our own connection to our own masculine and feminine energy is impaired. So the healing has to start somewhere. Instead of uh, masculine energy uh, being distrustful, let's say, of feminine energy and feminine energy also, let's say, blaming uh, masculine energy, we can start the healing just by <clears throat> finding enough love in your heart to help the other person or in this case, let's say if you're a female, help a man to come to his peace, acceptance and trust, the feminine energy. And um, for a woman, it is possible to cultivate somewhat of a motherly position in this relationship and to consider the man as her tantric partner, not only as a lover, as a brother, and as a father, but also as a child and through a healthy relationship with herself to help him come into a healthy relationship with all feminine energy, including his mother. Okay, that's good. I get that. And then by the yeah. same token, I, I mean, that's very, that's very, um, it's like a 360 degree relating. Exactly, exactly. And same for the man. And for the man, actually the healing that the man can provide for women is also respect their inspiration towards male energy. And one of the things, for example, that we work with um, with men is for a man to be a warrior and a poet at the same time. And for a man to be able to be in his Shiva energy, meaning to be in his witnessing energy and the energy of total awareness and that way to become a real support for a woman who could be moving around the man being in her feminine and going into a high range of her possible emotions and dances. And so we're teaching men to be that stable support. And that way we're also healing the feminine and allowing the feminine to relax into its divine feminine nature, into its softness. I feel that when men, men hear the word support, they think of just one thing. Oh, I have to keep paying and paying for her from my wallet. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay. support okay. is like child support. Um, well, yeah. <laughs> I just, I just had to say that. I mean, I had to say when I hear the word support, when I, okay. I think of, often when I think of men in tantra, I think of men holding space for the feminine to come into her complete range of power whether it's the Kali energy being like the warrior goddess who who fights to destroy ego and pride, 
at the same token, I feel to also hold the space for her to come into her healed little girl and also to come into um, her full sexual power because women have been denied that for so long. They've been taught, you know, that if they really fully express their sexuality or even their rage at what's happened to them, that exactly. it would be a turnoff. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, definitely we could say holding space or if we say providing support, it could be like a supporting dancer, right? Let's say if you have, if you watch a couple dancing, the male dancer usually provides this kind of support for the woman to do salto mortale around his neck. You know, we can even say that for the sake of practice itself. It's interesting that you should, it is really interesting that you should mention dancing. I just have to say, because I just did a show with my best friend, Edward, Edward Mack, and he he gives this amazing advice to men about being with women, and he uses the dance floor as an analogy, just because you said it, I have to tell you. He yeah, says, yeah, yeah, definitely. He tells men. Yeah, and, and we know that uh, one of the definitions of Tantra, which is one of the most elusive things to define in general, it's actually the dance of cosmic energies. Yeah, so we have the dance of light and darkness, the dance of feminine and masculine, the dance of subconscious and conscious mind. So a dance, yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, he, he gives men three, three tips. He says if when you're on the dance floor with a woman, which is the analogy for life, make, keep her safe. Don't bang her into any other dancers. Keep it interesting so she's actually interested in continuing to dance with you. And also make her look good. Like, it's not about your ego. Make her That's look true. good, and she's always going to make you look good. <laughs> so, <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. And within, let's say, some kind of tantric uh, partnership, um, it's important that both dancers, if you want to call them that, uh, are both oriented more towards the dance itself, the process of the dance itself, then towards uh, some kind of improvement uh, um, of themselves or any kind of uh, ego power trips or anything of this sort. So their dedication actually to the beauty of the dance, their dedication to truth, their dedication to spiritual development has to be actually higher even than their dedication to each other. So somebody once said that Tantra happens when two partners are more in love with God than with each other. And so then we have two yogis in the sense of yogi being responsible for his or her own life, for his or her own universe, and going on spiritual development. And in that sense, Tantric partnership is a partnership where one partner is very interested in spiritual growth of another partner. And that yeah, becomes the priority. Is, what becomes so the priority is that my potential, my spiritual potential, if I'm a partner with you, is based on your spiritual potential. So it makes sense for me to invest into your spiritual potential. So it's it's kind of a relationship of very high conscious high conscious universe. Yeah. This is so good. I'm so glad you said that. It's really important to clarify. We're gonna stop here for a moment if you just uh Tuned in, you're listening to Tantra Cafe, a program for spiritual enlightenment, and I'm Laurie Handlers. 
the host of the show, and today my guest is Luba Evans, who is a tantric teacher who goes between New York and Boston for the most part. She's all over the world a lot, but her basic teaching places are Boston and New York, and she also runs a new meditation retreat center named Galeana. And we're talking about how Tantra can actually heal the world. When we come back, we're going to continue with this conversation and find out about some of the very specific things that Luba offers, so please stay tuned. We'll be right back. Have you ever wished for an end to pests in and around your home, around your office? Stop paying for dangerous chemicals that can harm your children, your pets, and your clients. Today in Arizona and Florida, an environmentally responsible pest control company named Ladybug has set up shop to provide natural and organic pest control services. Ladybug can help you stop even the most persistent, nastiest bugs with green, organic products that are friendly to people and pets. In addition, there are franchise opportunities in Arizona, Florida, and throughout the USA. To learn more about Ladybug's home-friendly and earth-smart green pest control services, visit the Ladybug website at ladybugcorp.com or call us at 561-276-7600. Ladybug guarantees you another eco-friendly, pest-free day naturally. Wondering what book you should read to jumpstart your sex life and increase your happiness? Try my book, Sex and Happiness, The Tantric Laws of Intimacy by me, Laurie Handlers. This short, easy-to-read book will make you laugh at yourself, and it may possibly make you cry as you discover my tantric secrets for happiness and how they apply to you. In the book, I begin with the tenth law, make love in the unknown, and then I work you all the way through laws one through nine to teach you how to be in the unknown, fresh, every moment of every day of your life. Sex and happiness puts the innocence and love back into sex and gives Tantra the respect it deserves. It's only $19.99 in paperback and $14.99 ebook. Go to sexandhappiness.com to order your copy of Sex and Happiness by me, Laurie Handlers, the host of Tantra Cafe. Thank you for staying tuned to Tantra Cafe. I'm back. I'm Laurie Handlers, your host, and today's segment is brought to you by Tonga Fine Lingerie. If you're looking for the absolute best holiday gift and you want something really, really special, try Tonga Fine Lingerie by going to www.tonga, T-A-N-G-A, Fine, F-I-N-E, Lingerie, L-I-N-G-E-R-I-E, dot com. You will find some of the most amazing pieces for your beloved or for yourself as beloved that are imported from France and Italy, either lace or other really beautiful silk goodies. So please go to Tonga Fine Lingerie. Well, my guest today is Luba Evans, and we're talking about healing the world through Tantra. Luba has an organization called Tantra Without Borders, and I, I'm not sure, but I think this is an organization that unites people based on absence of geography. Like it doesn't matter what your geographical location is or whatever. But I like to, I don't want to assume, so I want to hear more about this, Luba. Sure. Yeah, Country Without Borders right now has most presence in Boston, New York, and the uh, United Kingdom. 
there is a golden tantric path between London and Bristol, and that uh, right now is the backbone of tantra between England and New England and uh, East Coast of America. We also, of course, have a large network globally in India and Israel and in other European countries and somewhat in Russia. And by year 2012, we're actually planning to have much more presence there. But right now, we're really concentrating on the opening of um, our new retreat, Galiana, which is going to happen in spring of next year, spring 2011. Okay, and so the retreat center, you're focusing on that. So what does that mean? You'll be inviting tantricas from all over the world to come and have powwows in, uh, it's in, where is it? It's in the Berkshires? Yeah, it's about, um, it's about 10 minutes away from the Berkshires, but, um, it is officially located upstate New York. It's, okay. It's uh, located in New Lebanon, New York, right next to a pretty famous Sufi retreat which is called Abode of the Message. And so, so are you the retreat is about two and a half hours away from New York and two hours away from Boston. So you're and you're focusing on getting people internationally, like international Tantra teachers to come and have powwows there? Well, I'll tell you specifically what the plans are for the teachers, but first maybe I can say about the other offerings because it's all it, it's all a piece of a big vision. Okay. So, um, some of the retreats we're going to um, teach ourselves within the Tantra Without Borders community. And um, we have a lot of people who come to us from New York and from Boston. And Tantra Without Borders retreats are all dedicated to using the Tantric principles to be of service to the world. So the community gets together and we do some work, and we do some practice, and, and we have a lot of fun. And those are Country Without Borders retreats that we offer. We're going to be offering four of them next year. We're also offering goddess, Galiana Goddess Rejuvenation Retreats, where we go through cleansing from head to toe, based on tantric and Ayurvedic principles, and uh, we also include raw food cleansing. And that's when a woman comes in and comes out completely glowing and happy and flowing and healed, and those are very powerful retreats. We're also going to be offering Guliana Ultimate Man Retreat, and that's where we're going to help men to cultivate their inner warrior and poet at the same time and to come into their true purpose in life and authenticity. And those are the retreats that we're offering ourselves. Now, we're also as you probably know, have a project which is called the Healing the Broken Heart Project. Right. And this is a project. Right, I'm familiar with this. Of it. Yeah. And this is a project which is dedicated to people who just actually maybe got out of a relationship and they're hurting or traumatized, or maybe people who are in a relationship which is hurting them and let's say they're considering if they should stay or leave. It's also... Uh, project for people who have been in some kind of a relationship before, which is still traumatizing them. So in other words, this project is for people who would like to love with all of their hearts right now and who really want to reopen their hearts and heal themselves. And so within this Healing the Broken Heart project, we're creating a series 
where we're going to collaborate with international tantric and not only tantric teachers from all over the world who are going to be bringing their approach to how to heal the broken heart of men and women and of the planet. And this is going to be a Healing the Broken Heart series, which we're also planning to actually take on the streets, on the streets in some interesting ways. Wait, what was that last part? I didn't catch that. We're, also planning, we're also planning to take Healing the Broken Heart project on the streets. Oh, so we, you'll be interviewing uh, yeah, people? Yeah, one of the um, goals of this project is also to raise global awareness of the so you, wait, so, so, you, so let me get heart. this straight. Let me get this straight. So you'll be going out into the street like like the sex roundup kind of thing. Like we'll be go, you'll be going to Forty Second Street in New York and asking people about their broken hearts. Well, yeah, we're going to be going to some Forty Second Street or Union Square or. Central Park, we might not be necessarily asking people about their broken heart, but we might be raising their awareness by uh, suggesting an eye contact or love currency or free energy or tickling them or there, there are tons of other things that we can do. But what we would like to do is to pass our torch to people so that they would smile, maybe they would come in contact with their body for a second, and so that as they pass by, they could pass the smile to somebody else on the street. I see what you mean. I see. So so you'll be taking it out for awareness. It's good. It's a great idea. I love the idea of people um, really paying attention to their broken hearts and, and getting their broken hearts healed. Um, you know, I... I Will this heal the world? Um, I, I don't know, because there's a lot of ideology. I mean, that it's it's like there's a lot of ideology in the world that doesn't only have to do with a broken heart. It has to do with an empty belly. <laughs> so I'm absolutely, absolutely. Well, you know, we can't take care of everything, but I think that um, the essence of our service is just to help this wave to spread. The wave yeah. of awareness, the wave of heart opening. Yeah, we're just pushing the wave. <laughs> Whatever happens after that, you know, is, is yeah. uh, we have to surrender to the universe. What? Uh, how can people get in touch with you? Because we're, we're coming down to the bottom of the hour, so, of the right. half hour. Sorry. How can people get in touch with you? Right now, the best way would be to go to tantrawithoutborders.com. Okay. That's yeah, and Tantra, if you want to meet up to sign up for a newsletter. Let me uh, give, let me spell it for people. Tantra, T-A-N-T-R-A, without, W-I-T-H-O-U-T, borders, B-O-R-D-E-R-S, dot com. Go to tantrawithoutborders.com to find out more about how, with Luba Evans and the other people she works with, and there are many, how she is taking Tantra into the world to heal the world by healing your broken heart, by having the feminine heal the masculine and the masculine heal the feminine. Hopefully, I call that um, dancing in eternal ecstasy on, on earth now, the women and men dancing together. So I love it. Luba, thanks so much for being my guest today. I appreciate you. And um, I'm sending you lots of love. Thank and, you. Uh, yeah, and please, uh, please stay tuned because in the in a moment I'll be right back 
with Cal Holzer and Jessica Johnson. They'll be speaking with us about how they're individually and together fighting back against sexual abuse and sexual violence. So please stay tuned to Tantra Cafe. We'll be right back with the next segment. Have you ever wanted something really different from a plain old Swedish massage? If you want an extraordinary private bodywork session, call Krishna Naidu. Krishna definitely has the touch. He offers yoga fusion therapy, embodiment therapy, individual tantra sessions, and even private yoga classes. I hope this intrigues you. His work is subtle yet tremendously effective, and I know his clients keep coming back for more because I'm one of them. For more information about the sessions and to find a session near you, call Krishna Naidu at 857-891-8090. That's 857-891-8090. Call Krishna Naidu today. Sessions are regularly available in New York, Boston, Washington, D.C., Phoenix, and Scottsdale. I, Laurie Handlers, the host of this show, personally invite you to come with me on a tantric tour of the heart of India on November 21st to December 3rd, 2010. You'll see the Taj Mahal, of course, and visit the fabulous Fadipur Sikri, home of the great Mughal King Akbar. You'll experience the sacred lake in Pushkar, and then you'll tour the pink city of Jaipur. Then, at dawn, from a boat on the Ganges in Varanasi, you'll see exquisite Hindu prayer rituals. Then you'll tour Sarnath, where the Buddha gave his first speech after attaining enlightenment. And finally, you'll get to explore the exotic Kama Sutra temples in Kajuraho. All throughout the tour, you'll learn tantric techniques and principles, and I promise you'll feel a tremendous sense of well-being as we delve into these simple yet potent tantric tools. Please note, no previous experience of tantra or yoga is necessary to come on this tour with me. I invite you to join me in this unique experience during the incredible, incredible country of India. I must warn you, this is not your typical tour, and you are not the typical tourist. For more information about this exciting tantric tour of the heart of India, contact Lori at ButterflyWorkshops.com or write to her at info at ButterflyWorkshops.com. Well, thank you for staying tuned to Tantra Cafe, a program for spiritual enlightenment. I'm Laurie Handlers, your host. And my guests for the second segment of this show are Cal Holzler and Jessica Johnson. Cal was raised in an Orthodox Jewish community of New Square, New York, and he's a survivor of sexual abuse. He's had extensive experience with in healing himself, and he's created an organization which fights back and creates change so people who've had sexual abuse can fight. It's called Voices of Dignity. And Jessica Johnson is the founder and executive director of Genes for Justice, a social change organization that uses creative vehicles to empower and mobilize communities to end sexual violence. So they both have a similar and shared vision and shared theme, and it's my pleasure to have them on the show today. Hi, Cal. Hi, Jessica. How are you? It's a pleasure. Hi, Laurie. I'm great today. I'm really great today. I wish I was sitting face-to-face with you, but this is the best we could do for right now. Cal, because I know you, you know, I do know you well, um, can you tell a little bit about how you 
you know, ha what happened to you? And maybe Jessica, you can then say what happened to you too. And then we can talk about how you all of a sudden had the vision to create this way to fight back. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Well, I, as you said, I grew up in a community, very restricted insular community, upstate New York, um, in Rockland County, New Square, New York. And at age seven, I started experiencing sexual abuse by one of the community leaders, um, an individual that was very powerful, an individual that, unfortunately, in the culture that I grew up, it's very much common, like kids don't have a say and adults and parents are always right. And given the context of, in my opinion, so much repression of sexuality in the community where it's never spoken about, kids don't really know how to talk about sexuality or sexual abuse when it does occur, unfortunately. And um, I lived with the pain and lived with the perpetuation of sexual abuse happening again and again, not really understanding why it kept reoccurring with so many different people. Um, I had the experience growing up, even when I was leaving the community, for some reason I was always attracting abusers and people taking advantage of me sexually and never felt or never even comprehended that I was able to stop other people or understand why it was occurring or what to do about it. Now, I have to, I just need to ask you something. When you say this is an Orthodox Jewish community, I mean, for me, when I hear that, I, I, I was brought up in the Jewish tradition. Uh, I don't, you know, we were reformed. It wasn't like that. But, and I didn't spend much time around the, the community or the temple or anything. It, that's just how I was. But right. when you say that, it's shocking. Isn't it shocking? I mean, we think of Catholic priests, you know, like, uh, having their things with little boys but when you say the orthodox jewish community like to me it's like and I'm, i don't feel that i'm prejudiced that way it's just i've never heard it before until you and i spoke about it yeah i i hear people having very similar reactions to you and the truth is i don't think that it's an orthodox a christian or a jewish problem i do feel that the nature of a community being so insular and the nature of a community having so so little acceptance to talk about sexuality that abuse, the cycle of abuse continues so much more. And when people ask me, is it prevalent in the Jewish community, especially in the Orthodox community, the answer is it's extremely prevalent. It's, uh, it's just, it's mind blowing to hear you say that. And, and I'm so happy, Cal, that you are speaking out about it. I'm just, I'm so happy to hear that you've taken a stand to, to end this. It's uh uh, thank you. Well, I'm just going to, I'll ask you a little bit more about that. You know, what, how did you heal and how did you form this organization in a minute? But I just want to ask Jessica the same question. Jessica, where, you know, where did you grow up and what, um, you know, ha what happened to you? Um, you know, it's, it's interesting because uh, Cal and I were talking about this earlier and, you know, people always make the you know assumption that for somebody to be so passionate about an organization like this or, or taking a stand in a profound way that you have to have had your own personal experience. And for me, fortunately, I, I did not have the same experience as Cal growing up. I had a very normal growing up, you know, experience. Um, but what, you know, what I got present to as I got older, as I started getting involved in this work is that when I was five, my sister, um, was raped and she was 21 at the time. 
And I didn't find out about what happened to her until I was 16. So for 11 years, there was this big skeleton in the closet in my family where, you know, I got, I saw her in a lot of pain and I saw just different things showing up in her life as a result of her not having any support system around her. And when I did learn what happened, I was, it was 11 years after the fact. And so I had felt very powerless. And what, what came to me as I started doing the work with Jeans for Justice is that I really wanted to create a organization that took a massive national stand so that, you know, that survivors would have support systems around them and that there wouldn't be the stigma that currently exists around sexual violence and sexual assault so that people wouldn't have to live in shame and feel like they were the only ones that had experienced this. Great. Thanks so much for doing that. Listen, my sister had an experience too with our family doctor yeah. that no one knew about. Nobody talked about it. And only I knew what much later it was so late in the game when I found out about it, that there was nothing we could do. There was a statute of limitations would have been, you know, would have been in, in effect, you know, years before. So right. there was no recourse that we could take about it. And it was, again, shocking, shocking. Yeah, it's, it's you you know, I, I felt really powerless because I just felt like there, you know, that there had been 11 years where I was, you know, the whole family decided that I was too young to know about it until I was 16. So it like, I asked my dad what it was, what I was like around that. And he said that I always just felt very left out. And I remember trying to think of the worst thing that could have ever happened um, between her and this person that would make, make the, create the results that I saw around me. And I, you know, as a little kid, I thought somebody must have called her a really bad name. You know, I, I just can't comprehend that age really what, you know, what somebody's going through. So you know, it was just, it just really, um, resonated with me. And, and when I started this organization, it's like, you just, the minute you open yourself up that you're taking a stand for this, it's amazing how many people share their experiences. It's, it's mind boggling how many people have been affected. Yes, you're right. Well, you know what, last, my uh, guest a few weeks ago was what is one of my Tantra students and she came on and openly talked about what happened to her in her very household. Uh, her stepfather, who was brought in by her mother, who abused her for 15 years. And um, she talked about how Tantra healed her, how the techniques that she learned from me, emotional release and primarily emotional release, and then just getting calm within helped her uh, heal herself. Cal, I know like you've taken a couple classes from me, but I also know that you've participated in other very dynamic and radical uh, modalities. Can you say a little bit about how you healed yourself? I mean, you're a powerful man, you know, and you've clearly reclaimed your power and your sexuality. Can you say a little bit about that and how, how you were able to heal? Yeah, I, I definitely must say <clears throat> there's some techniques and organizations that I've participated over the years. And <clears throat> I remember it wasn't too long ago, I was speaking at John Jay University on a panel and someone asked me a similar question. And something that I discovered, which, Lori, I'm absolutely sure that you would agree with me, that for so long I kept running away, not only from the isolation, but the discomfort that I had in my body. Having so much pain and having so much intense energies constantly going through my body and not really knowing what to do with it. And there was a time when I was starting at 18 where definitely it came with starting to talk about it and finding acceptance. But there was a lot of work on the very conscious effort of going into 
I mean, an internal process, but definitely going into the that whole energy field, going into sexuality, into something that, like, I couldn't escape it. Like, there's only so much that um, talking about can do, and there's so much contextualizing it and reframing it um, is definitely beneficial. But there was, as you were saying, like, there was techniques. I mean, I still have a daily meditation practice. And the constant practice of coming back to my body and the constant practice of having what shows up in my body, not being wrong and not, I mean, the very thing that fosters so much abuse has been the shame of sexuality, of not, not being able to talk about it and making it wrong and putting it into all these different rules and agreements that we have around sexuality. So I feel like the other end of the spectrum of victimization is definitely a reclaiming of it. Um, and you have to reclaim it in the body. It has exactly. to be physical. It can't just be talking like in talk therapy. It has to be a physical reclaiming of your body, like the experience of feelings and sensation in your body that allow you to be embodied. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah and the meditation, are, are you talking about orgasmic meditation? Is that what you still do daily or are you talking about it like a different meditation? Mm-hmm. The daily medita- meditation that I currently do is silent meditation, but it has a very much a component of that because either because of my experience, but I don't really know why, but my focus always comes back to the sexual energy in my body. So sitting in silent meditation, I've definitely, and it's hard to describe it on a radio show, like I've definitely facilitated um, groups and taught workshops around the similar issues, but what it comes down to is um, the capacity of my body to be able to hold so much sensation has definitely largened by my focus on it. And what I mean by that is, um, what we used, to, what people do all the time and what I did years ago, there's so much intensity that will come into my body and then the mind will get activated and then all the different strategies of escaping the intensity and the strategies of just blaming and trying to, so often you would see survivors try to fix circumstances or go back in their past with revenge. And and there's definitely an element of justice that needs to be done to protect children from not being further abused. But on my own healing, I remember the first time I went to see, I I went to meet with the guy that sexually abused me years ago. And my only motivation to go back was for me to be able to live with what had happened to me. That's good. It's very good. That's a healing in itself. Yeah. There was an element of, reclaiming responsibility that my life now is mine and it's my responsibility to find peace within myself. Excellent. We're going to break here for a second. I am so, I'm so thrilled to have you speaking out loud about this today. Uh, if you just tuned in, you're listening to Tantra Cafe, a program for spiritual enlightenment. I'm talking with Cal Holtzler and Jessica Johnson, two people who have formed a coalition to build a network of people who will fight back against sexual abuse and sexual violence. And we're going to hear more about their organizations and what they do and how you can participate when we come back. So please stay with us. We'll be right back. Would you like to try a natural product that would enhance your orgasms? My guest today is Shana Venice, the founder of New Zealand Pure, a company that makes unique products for sexual wellness. Shana, what is it that people can use to enhance their orgasms? Everybody's trying to do that. 
absolutely. Well, there are different factors that, uh, you know, come into play why we don't have explosive orgasms. One is, you know, our vaginal secretions aren't flowing like they used to. Perhaps you're a little dry, perhaps you're a little irritated. Well, the great thing about silk, which is made from kiwi vine extract, is that it helps to balance your own pH and increase your vaginal secretions. The result is explosive, satisfying, wonderful orgasms and joyful sex. Wow, Shana, thanks so much for that description. Wonderful. If you'd like to find out more about Silk, go to SilkUSA.com. That's S Y. L-K-U-S-A dot com. You can find out more about Silk from me as well. Write to Laurie at TantraCafe.com. Many times on Tantra Cafe, you've heard my guests and me discuss emotional release techniques. Now you can do emotional release work in the privacy of your own home. In my CD, Shamanic Release and Lati Han, I create a very, very safe and sacred space in which you can do the powerful work I'm known for in my Tantra courses. First, I set you up with the proper positioning and breathing, and then I guide you through emotional states to the beat of tribal African rhythms. Try this CD as an easy way to do your personal clearing work on a regular basis and watch your relationships walk free from emotional baggage. You can order my CD at butterflyworkshops.com for only $20. I believe you're worth it. I hope you do. Go to butterflyworkshops.com and get your copy now and walk free from emotional baggage. We're back with Tantra Cafe and I am Laurie Handler, your host, and I want to remind you to go to my recommended list, Laurie's recommended list on webtalkradio.net. There you can find out about flirting with heart from Robin Vogel. You can find out about Tantra for Awakening with Crystal Dawn Morris. You can learn about polyamory for the 21st century with Deborah Annapol. And you can find out a lot about your hormones, which is a really important thing for a healthy sex life, actually for healthy life, by by tuning into hormonenurse.com. So please go to my recommended list. There's much more there. There's many more people that I recommend on that list, and I want you to find out, be up to date on what's happening in the Tantra world. Today, my guests are Cal Holzler and Jessica Johnson, who are talking to us about ending sexual violence, ending abuse. And Cal was telling us in the first part about how in a small and insulated community, he had been violated over and over again and how he healed himself. And Jessica talked about finding out about a rape of her sister and just feeling to take a stand for that in her life and end this type of thing that happens to young people. So um, tell us a little bit about your individual organizations and then what are you doing together? Either one any, can, can tell me. Jess, why don't you start? Okay. Um, so, well, individually, um, Jeans for Justice is, we're based out of San Diego, California, and, um, we use fashion, art, and fitness as vehicles to engage young people, um, and empower communities and mobilize them to take a stand. Um, one thing that I've found is that, you know, with an issue that has such a strong social stigma, 
it's really hard to get young people to listen, let alone feel empowered and engaged and desiring to take a stand and align themselves with something like this, even though, you know, from all the statistics, it really is people who are under the age of 30 that are most heavily affected. So do you, um, let me just ask you a question. Do you feel, I mean, I have an opinion about this and I don't know if it's true or not. I'm just, it's like, I'll just call it an assumption. Yeah. You feel it's because they've had so little life experience and they're still like, let's say, teenagers even or even people in their 20s are so uptight about their bodies. Absolutely. I think there's just I mean, Cal was kind of touching on it before, but there's just so there's so much shame and guilt and um, just uh, ignorance in our society about sex. And, you know, even even I think in the general public, not just the insular communities, but it's like the sex education in the schools is it's really pathetic and parents don't. And I mean, I don't want to judge everyone, but, you know, from what I from my experience, parents are so reluctant to address these issues at a young age with children. So these kids are basically forced to go and give themselves their own sex education when they start to feel things in their bodies and they start to hear things from their friends and they have like they have just complete infinite access to the internet and they can learn through basically the internet and the media and music and videos what what it, what sexual relationships look like and i think you know i just think that there's a lot of there's just a lot of work that we need to do in well, well those po- those portrayals you know on the internet pornography and even in the rock video and rock videos even in the music videos yeah. that they sh- that they see it's such explicit banal sexuality i without any it doesn't it's just like the thing it's yeah. not really to have a feeling about somebody to have a feeling about my own body it's more just it's just the thing and no. it, it worries me because I'm not at all a sexual prude. There's no way in my life that I've ever been a, a prude or conservative or anything. But when I see th- those things, when I see, when I hear that kids are learning about sex from watching porn, it's it's disturbing to me as a, as a very liberal and open person. I feel like, wow, there's something really missing here. Huge. I mean, and and you think about how porn is created and who creates the porn, and that really is most, I mean, if you were to go in and survey most middle school and high school boys, especially, and you ask them what their first sexual experience is, a lot of them are going to tell you that it's from online and from exactly like you're saying, music videos. And, you know, that's one thing that we're looking at is doing media literacy programs and really, I mean, it's just important. Wait a minute, doing what? Media literacy programs. Media literacy programs. Hmm. Media literacy. Yeah, it's basically dissecting the media. A lot A lot of colleges ha- in their communications departments have some really cool programs around it, but there's really nothing until, unless you elect that and you're in college that, that, goes, that goes through that. And I think, you know, parents are very disengaged from what their kids are listening to, and they just, the kids have so much access. It's like they can be upstairs saying that they're doing homework on their computer, but you really have no idea who they're talking to online, who, you know, what they're watching, what they're getting into. And there's just no, you never see the full picture of the story of like this rap video where, you know, the toot it and boot it song has been playing all the time. And I get literally viscerally affected whenever I hear that song, because it's basically talking about how he takes a girl home and 
has sex with her and then throws her out the window and she feels stupid. And you don't, you know, you don't get to see her after this happened. And you know what I mean? There's just, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's really, it's base. It's vile. You know, it's not, it's not, it just doesn't feel good, you know? And that's the whole thing. Like, Basically, these things are portraying sex, I think, in your head. Even though people are acting it out, they're not equipped, uh, emotionally equipped to have it feel good. The thing Cal was talking about, like blowing your sensation out so that you can actually accept and embody yourself right. for who you are when you're thinking about doing what, what people are just saying to do and portraying it in a, in a video. So. Right, right. Amazing. So, and, and the name of your group again is Jeans for Justice. What's the website? It's jeansforjustice.org, and the four is the number four. So it's jeans like blue jeans, J-E-A-N-S, uh-huh. for the number four, justice, J-U-S-T-I-C-E, dot yep. com, correct? Dot org. Oh, dot org, sorry, yep. dot org. Jeansforjustice.org. you'll get there dot com, too. <laughs> but, yeah. I said, you'll get there if you hit .com by accident. Okay, okay, that's great. And Cal, Cal, what is your organization? Well, just about a year and a little bit, a year and a half ago, I came back to New York after living on the West Coast and started the organization Voices of Dignity. And its main goal was to reach mothers and community leaders. But we wanted to create something that innovative enough in grassroots programs to get to the people that need the information the most. And one of the programs, we're running a couple programs. One of them is a mother's training where we get mothers to bring 15 to 20 of their friends into their home and we bring in professional therapists that have, have the deal and have training around sexual trauma, which has been incredible because as we were continuing conversations with community leaders and constantly having resistance from people and Law enforcement was never involved because people were too terrified to report, so no one was reporting. And we knew, I've met so many people, like mothers were desperate to know what was out there for them to be able to deal with sexual abuse, not really knowing how to keep their children safe, not really knowing how to talk about abuse, not really being able to talk about what it is. So something, one of the programs that is, working really well and we have them in three different communities now in Rockland County. We have them here in Brooklyn and the demand just keeps going, keeps growing, which has been amazing. And we do them monthly in mother's houses where mothers can support them, can find support amongst each other. If anything is happening and we have a whole outline curriculum of eight different topics about abuse, about the criminal justice system, about different formalities of therapy which has also been really exciting because it allows us to reach mothers and kids right on the ground as abuse was happening. Like we were just last week and last one of our trainings, which was really incredible and it brought me to tears. Um, Melanie, who is a co-founder of Voice of Dignity, was sharing with me how she was speaking with her mother and she kind of saw the reluctance that something was going on and she didn't really want to share the details And she went ahead and shared my experience that I was abused by one of the community leaders who was running the Shamram, which is the security, like internal security within the community. And this mother started crying and she she started saying that her little three-year-old is being sexually abused by her husband, but he's a, a really powerful person in the community. 
So experience like that, like I was able, I'm able on a daily basis to use my experience given that I come from such a, come from that world, was able and continuously are able to use my experience and inspire other people to take a stand and to be willing to, to talk. And we've built a yeah. lot of ties with the law enforcement and different professionals in the community. So, yeah. and the name of your organization again is, say the organization and the website? It's VoicesOfDignity.org. VoicesOfDignity.org. And then together, we just have a few a few more minutes. So now you're doing something that has to do with high fashion and with upscale, high-end yeah. people coming and participating with you. And what's the name of that organization that the two of you uh, joined together and, and have created? Right. It's it's mostly a campaign, and Jess will tell you a little bit more about it. It's a campaign that we're now doing jointly called Glamour for Justice. And one of our taglines has been changing the world in style. So bringing kind of with Jess, um, her support on the West Coast and us being on the East Coast is creating a nation-large um, campaign that will bring awareness to universities, bring awareness to more people about the issue, but including the fashion industry and entertainment, um, very much what Jess was saying before, making it cool for young people to be able to talk about abuse and putting a stop to it, given that so much of the stigma that exists, um, it, the resistance around around talking about this issue is the stigma around it. It's kind of, it's not cool to talk about it. You don't want to be a victim because victims are usually put down. And yes. one, of, one of the things I felt so passionate about is what way or how can I go about making social entrepreneurship something that more people want to get involved. And it comes up a lot. People go to events and for one, they don't even know what they're attending or where their money is going or how they can be a part of the change. You mean, you, you mean like f social entrepreneurship, like going to fundraisers and right. not really being a part of the, what it is that they're precisely raising right. funds for. Right. People go to events and they're like, they feel good. They show up because other friends are there. But we want to do something more powerful where I want to make sure that people know that they can participate in something and know that their money and their support will leverage on an incredible huge scale. And Jess will tell you a little bit more about what we're looking at. Well, well actually, we're, we're kind of running out of time. So, um, so Jessica, can you give me like one sentence? <laughs> Man, that's a tough one. Um, well, I would just say, you know, it's all about it, true engagement. It can't just be about awareness. It's awareness, then engagement, then the willingness to transform and be leaders. So that's really the process that we're looking to take people through, no matter who right. you are. It's really great. I'd love to work with both of your groups anytime. I do work with teenagers here in Phoenix, and um, I just want to let you know that I'm having tremendous results with them, and some of them have been traumatized like what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Of course, many of my students in any of any age have as well, but I love working with teenagers. So yeah. anytime, we'll have to follow up. I yeah. loved having you both on my show. Thank you, Cal Holtzler and Jessica Johnson of um, of your various organizations, Visions. I, I'm just like, I'm tongue-tied a little bit. Hold on a second. Um, Genes for Justice. And what, what's the other one again? What, what Voices is your... of Dignity. Voices of Dignity. Voices of Dignity, right, right. Voices of Dignity. You can go to both of those websites, .org, genesforjustice.org and Voices of 
for dignity, voicesofdignity.org and find out more about how you can get involved. Thank you both for being my guest. Oh, Please. Yeah, yeah. We have one tiny little plug because Cal and I are speaking together and just in case anyone wants to come and come and check us out live. Can I plug yes. it real quick? Um, it's going to be on Tuesday the 30th at, um, it's a place called East Techniques, which, which is actually a tantric temple in New York on 100 John Street, Suite 2104, um, between 6.30 and 9.30. So if anyone Thank wants you. to come, we're going to be there. That's going to be in New York City. Thank you. Thank you both so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks and so everyone yeah. listening, tune in next time when my show will be about physical immortality. I will be welcoming back the People Unlimited leaders talking to you about the possibility of living life forever. And I thank you. I remind you to follow me on Twitter or Facebook. That's Laurie Handlers. You can Go to my main website or write to me at laurie at butterflyworkshops.com. And I say namaste from Tantra Cafe. I bid you farewell. See you next time.